You are listening to the She Leads Me podcast, episode number 24 with Sherry Cornier, author, speaker, and consultant. You're listening to the She Leads Me podcast, where women come together for powerful conversations around life and leadership. Each episode will bring you conversations with incredible women in leadership, tools you need as a badass female pioneer, and spicy topics around business and leadership. I am your host, Heather Simpson. My mission is to educate and empower women in leadership positions, taking them to the next level in their journey and career. Welcome to She Leads Me. Hello, She Leaders. How is everybody doing today? It's Heather Simpson, founder and director of She Leads Me and your host of the She Leads Me podcast. Today's conversation is a really incredible one. It's with Sherry Cormier, who is an author, speaker, and consultant. And she walks us through some of the work that she does as a psychologist in the space of grief. Now, a lot of us think of grief or loss as something that might be related to death, but Sherry really opens up the conversation today and opens up my eyes to the fact that grief actually comes in many different forms, and grief often erupts from a loss of a dream. And how many of us have had a dream or have had plans that Things don't go that way, right? Nothing goes according to plan. And what is that process like for you when that happens? I had some really aha moments in my conversation with her and found it to be so insightful. I was really excited to share today's conversation with you. Here's a little bit more about Sherry. Sherry Cormier is a PhD. She's an author, consultant, and public speaker. She's a li- she is a licensed psychologist and a certified bereavement trauma specialist. Sherry is a former faculty member at the University of Tennessee and West Virginia University. She has authored several textbooks and a new self-help book on dealing with loss called Sweet Sorrow finding enduring wholeness after loss and grief. I think you guys will find today's show so helpful on your journeys, so helpful on the evolution of finding yourself, finding the next version of yourself as you go about stepping into leadership in your life, in your business, in your careers. Please welcome Sherry Cormier. Hello, Sherry. Thank you for joining us on the She Leads Me podcast. It is a pleasure to have you here with us today. Heather, I am delighted to be here with you on She Leads Me and all your listeners. And I feel so honored to be on this podcast. I've listened to some of your other podcasts. I've gotten so much out of them myself. And it's just, it's a delight to be here. Oh, good. Oh, thank you so much. Well, we are very excited to dive in and chat with you about you and what you do and your expertise. So let's start there. Why don't you share with our listeners a little bit more about who you are and what it is that you do in this world? Well, that's a great question. That's a great question for any of us to ask people that we're just getting to know. Yes. So I'm a licensed psychologist and I'm also Heather, I'm also a certified bereavement trauma specialist. And what I do currently is I write. I'm an author, a published author. I do a lot of public speaking. 
I do a lot of training and consultation and a lot of particularly mentoring around loss issues. And I'm using that term really broadly. So I'm not just speaking about people who might have someone close to them die, although that's certainly a biggie, but you know, divorce is a loss. Um, losing a house to foreclosure is a loss. Mm-hmm. Losing a job is a loss. Um, you know, having a health challenge can be a loss. Having your last child leave home, a miscarriage. These are all a pet, losing a pet. I mean, there's a whole range and variety of experiences that constitute a loss event. And really, nobody that I know of is immune from loss. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons I was really excited to be on She Leads Me is the more I got to thinking about what you do and the more I got to thinking about what I do is I really started seeing some parallels between, I know this is going to sound weird in a way, but I really started seeing some parallels between loss and leadership Mm. because, you know, if you think about it, to be an effective leader, you have to begin or move or lead from a place of empowerment, empowerment. And if you feel disempowered, your leadership skills are going to be tested. And the same is really true for learning to Um, move through life handling challenges and disappointments and losses in a more productive way because these kinds of experiences, while none of us are immune from them, they can leave us feeling very disempowered. Mm -hmm. And so really our task in loss is sort of our task in effective leadership. And that is how do we create, create more empowerment within ourselves so that we can heal from loss or in leadership, we can lead in effective ways with teams of people and help everybody around us, ourselves included, grow. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so that's, that's a question that I would think then comes up often in, in the work that you do and you help people answer that question. How do we grow? Yes. Yes, because, you know, initially when, you know, a loss, let's say you just, you know, you've just had your third miscarriage and, you know, your first thought is, oh my gosh, how am I ever going to grow from this? Mm-hmm. You know, you're feeling disappointed, you're, you're reeling, you're numb, you're in a state of shock, you're, you know, we have to remember that sometimes grief erupts, not so much, well, it can erupt from certainly from a thing or person we lose, but we have to remember it can also erupt from a loss of a dream. Mm. No, we had a dream for the way our life was going to be or what kind, what kind of family we were going to have or how many children we could have if we're a woman. And when we lose something that causes us to lose our dream, that can also be very, very challenging. So it is a question I do get a lot about Mm -hmm. how do we grow. 
I yes. think it's really a good leadership question too. And I like to really think uh, of the word resilience. Yes. And I love, I love resilience because I think that we all experience hardships in life, whether, you know, when you're a leader, nothing is going to go according to plan. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> right? <laughs> when you live your life, nothing is going to quite go according to plan either. Yeah. This is a good and message so, for the youth of the world. Whoever, if anybody's listening. <laughs> right. Put that, you know, let, that, young let that be leaders. your mantra. Put, I put sticky notes all over my computer and mirrors and Nothing is going according to plan. Right. <laughs> and there's another one I just love. I've seen this on a magnet. Maybe you've seen it too. Let go or be dragged. Ah, I haven't seen that actually. That is a very profound one. Isn't it? Wow. Because the more we try to hold on, let's say to the past or to things that no longer really have our name on them or no longer service or no longer are in our best interest. The more we try to hold on, the more we impede our growth. Mm -hmm. So let go or be dragged. I yes. love that one. That is powerful because it's so true and, and, and so key for us, especially as leaders where oftentimes we go through a couple of different evolutions of, of what we do and, and kind of dive deeper into our calling more. There is that piece that, that that would be a very key factor in order to move on to the next thing, in order to move on to the next evolution of yourself to actually have to let go of some of those past things. Right. That's so true. And don't you think, you know, as you and I are having this conversation together, don't you think that that's one of the main impediments to growth? Absolutely. Is when we want to try to hold on to the, the, the leader we used to be or the person we used to be before the, the miscarriage or before the divorce or before the loss of our uh, parent or whoever, when we try to hold on too tightly to that and to the past, then we don't open the energy and we can't really expand into our next level of leadership or into our next new chapter mm -hmm. uh, of life. So, right. yeah. Which can I oftentimes be tied into like that loss of identity, right? Where yes. you can en envision yourself as a mom of one or or two children and but then that's not going to happen right and when you say that yes. erupts from the loss of a dream that dream I think so many oftentimes is we wrap our entire identity around that and I know for myself and and our, our listeners are very um they know that I share a lot about myself in my journey um but right. I had that that's happen easy. thank you I when I left my CEO position, when I left a company that I had from the ground up help build and cultivate the culture there and hire every single person that was there, like every single piece of what had happened, right? Um, I, I had touched at some point one way. Yeah, you had your hand, your footprint or your handprint on it. Yeah. And when I went into the next evolution of my life and what was going to come, it was this identity loss of, but, mm -hmm. but who am I without that? Right. And it yeah. took me a little bit to, to recognize even mm -hmm. in myself, who is somebody that 
loves to grow and feels like I put a lot of emphasis and energy into making sure that I'm not staying, staying stuck and um, that I'm getting the help and the resources that I need, even still going through that time period of, wow, I, I, I feel like I don't know who I am right now. And, yes. and the grieving process that does go along with that. And it does because every time you have a loss, it changes your view of yourself and it changes your identity. And in fact, often, you know, when we talk with people who've had a major loss of any kind, I don't care if it's a job loss or a loss of your, you know, your life partner or divorce or anything like that. It, you know, I mean, you may be losing a dream. You also lose a part of yourself. Mm lose that core sense of who you have been. And I know when my husband died a decade ago, I was just, I was a basket case and I'm a, look at me. I should, you know, I should know what to do. Right. (laughs) (laughs) My line of work, but I felt quite unprepared when I had a whole string of losses happen to me, my husband and my entire family. And, not my, not my current children, but my parents and my only sibling. Mm. And, you know, I just felt so unprepared because I was so attached to being in the role of a daughter with my parents, the role of a sister with my sister, and particularly with my late husband in the role of a wife. And when I wasn't a wife anymore, I did not know how I could stand it. I really didn't. I felt you know, I almost felt uh, resentful. I mean, it was, it wasn't angry. It was almost like, what do you mean I can't be a wife anymore? Yeah. <laughs> Part of that grief process, all the stages yeah. of that. Yeah. So you're, you're really accurate when you talk about how we love to hold on because we like things to feel familiar. Mm-hmm. I yeah, we're comfortable some, in that. Yeah, I think there's some sense of security. Yeah. When things feel familiar. And even when you know, like in the example that you gave about leaving this company, even when you know you've outgrown your job or you've outgrown your uh, marriage or you've outgrown something in your life Mm -hmm. and it's time for you to evolve, even then, hanging on is often what we do because we we find comfort in what feels familiar and what we're in this sort of no person's land. Right. Because, you know, you said, oh my gosh, who am I? Who was I? Mm-hmm. Who am I now? If I'm not with this job, who am I? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very, you know, we call that sort of numinous space that, that's like very difficult space to stay in. And yet it's so important for growth. It's that space of feeling like you're not who you used to be and you're not exactly who you're becoming. You're sort of in this middle ground and you're not sure it doesn't feel quite right. Um, Elizabeth Lesser has talked about that space as staying in the gap. And I love that. It's Mm -hmm. a gap space. And we really all need gap spaces 
in order to be in order to grow and to evolve into the person that we are called or meant to be. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. So you have such an incredible background. You have a PhD or not. You've written textbooks. You've been involved in universities. How did you get started even doing this? This is the, the how, well, happened? Like, how did this all evolve for you? <laughs> that's a great question. Well, about a decade ago, I lost my father and my husband within three months of each other. Mm. So really, like one, two, I lost yeah. the two most important um, men in my life. And wow. then several years after that, my mother died several years after that, the rest, the dog that I had rescued after my dad and husband died, she died. Mm -hmm. And then just about two years ago, my only sibling died. So Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of personal experience with loss. Mm -hmm. And about seven years ago, I had been teaching um, up till about seven years ago, I had been in private practice. I had been teaching at a university in a different state. Then I moved to where I live now. I live on the East Coast near Annapolis, Maryland, and which I dearly love. And um, I decided, sort of like you, I decided that it was time to let go of sort of who I had been a little bit professionally, not in terms of so much my license credentials, but in terms of my job functions. So I knew when I moved here, I didn't, I didn't want to teach or do private practice anymore. And so I moved into this whole new arena after, quote, sitting in the gap <laughs> in that unfamiliar state that feels anxiety producing for a while. Right. But eventually I came to be in a writing group and I felt called to write a self-help book, which has just come out this year. It's called Sweet Sorrow. And I really wanted to write a book to share with people because I do believe loss is is universal. I do believe we all have hardships and struggles. So it's sort of a book about how do you get through hard times in your life and start over in a really compelling way. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, I've lived this, I've lived this story. I wanted to be able to share it with other people. So I wrote this book. Out of this book, I started doing a lot of public speaking. I do some training and consulting. I do a lot of what I call grief mentoring. I facilitate a bereavement support group here at a senior center for people that just want to come in and, you know, talk about sort of the things that we've been talking about this morning. Mm -hmm. So that really sort of was a sea change for me. And I, I feel like I'm really living my passion now and I feel so energized by what I'm doing and I love to share what I'm doing with other people. I just uh, really love to help people thrive. Yeah. And I can tell, and I, I love what you said and how you opened up our mindset this morning to think about grief beyond what you typically would think of with, with death um, or, or loss in that way, but really also pinpointing some key things that I think 
a lot of people have experienced, right? Like, like miscarriage is a big one for women. Like one in three yes. women experience a miscarriage. Like that's, yes. that's a lot of the world that experiences that, but it's not talked about a lot. And no. We also, shove so much of those things, you know, under the rug or put them in the closet. And even breast cancer, I think some something like one out of two women at some point in their life will develop breast cancer. Oh that's my gosh. Huge. 50%. Wow. And that's such a loss because for many women who develop breast cancer, you know, there's an immediate, almost an immediate mastectomy, which means you lose your breasts. Mm-hmm. So talk about loss, talk about loss of identity, right. you know, talk about all of these, you know, really loss of body parts. We don't like to talk about that either. Right. Huge loss. Right. Wow. So this book goes there and talks about those things and actually asks people to dive into different areas of their life that maybe didn't think about as loss or grief, but they can then kind of open up and see, wow, that is what I'm feeling. I haven't been able to pinpoint it or I haven't been able to move on because I didn't know what this was. But now you are coming out and you are naming that. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I talk a lot in the book about growing resilience from Mm -hmm. hardships and Mm -hmm. disappointments because none of us get through life unscathed. Right. It just doesn't happen. Right. (laughs) We'd like it to, but you know, we all have disappointments. We all have things that don't turn out the way that we had hoped. So I do talk a lot about resilience. I love talking about resilience. I think it's very important topic for, for women. Yes. And you know, resilience itself is a is something that comes from a Latin word that really means rebounding. Hmm. And I like the idea, I like the metaphor of plants because, you know, if we think about putting a plant in the ground, plants can really get assaulted. Plants can get assaulted by wind, by drought, by floods, by animals. Plants can really be under siege, plants can get knocked over, plants can have bandage uh, branches that get broken off of them or vines that fall off, and yet they still survive. Mm -hmm. And they still, over time, are able to bloom. And I just love that metaphor for thinking about resilience because it, it seems to me that while not maybe we maybe we all have those sort of plants or seeds of resilience within us not that we're going to grow all of the seeds of resilience but we certainly can grow some seeds of resilience even under you know maybe some extreme or some harsh conditions and so i really do talk in the book about what are some of the practices What are some of the strategies that really help us, uh, whether we're looking to heal from losses or challenges or whether we're looking to lead teams of people, you know, how can we become more resilient? Right. Which, what a better person to speak to that than you as you talk about all of the things that back to back, like hit you over the head. I mean, I, I would venture to think that over that much of back to back to back to back 
mm-hmm. loss that there would be the, you know, like, oh, this is too much. Like how, you, it seems like you would just be kind of getting through to the next phase and then another thing happens mm-hmm. and then you're getting through to the getting used to that and that new life. And then another thing happens. What were some of the steps that you took? And maybe you share this in the book too, but can you give us a couple of just like insight and tips that you used to get through that hard time? I I certainly will. And I'll even pull in from some of the other grief survivors that I work with too. You know, I think having some kind of spiritual practice is so important because, you know, even when you talked about your example of leaving that company, Mm -hmm. And you had built it, helped to build it from the ground up. And then, you know, you're in this liminal space and you're not sure exactly what's coming next. And that's true for lost survivors. So I think some, some spiritual practice, whether it's, you know, sitting in meditation or contemplative prayer or chanting or doing yoga. I love meditation myself because we, we, there is some research that says meditation or mindfulness may be the single most useful tool we have to grow resilience. Mm. And I think it's because it really does regular meditation practice really does change the brain. Mm-hmm. It impacts our immune system and it really does in, you know, in just the situation you talked about with me, it really gives us a way to recover more quickly from stressful situations in life. And who among us isn't faced with stress on almost a daily basis? Right. So, you know, to me, meditation has been a great practice to really learn how to bounce back more quickly after a challenging situation and especially with a series of them. And I hate to say it, but I see this very often. You know, there's, there's often a a little popular phrase that disappointments or challenges or losses or significant events come in sets of three. Mm -hmm. I think that's so true. I've seen that in so many people where it's like, bam, bam, bam. Now, sometimes it could be wonderful things. Bam, 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 wonderful. Explosion, (laughs) you know, three wonderful things in a row. Sometimes it can be three challenging things in a row. And I think we have to remember, even with wonderful things, when we have wonderful things happening to us, three wonderful things in a row, that's still impacting our bodies. We are still sort of in an adaptive phase, we're having to adapt to change, even if it's wonderful. So we're still in a, you know, in an adapting state. And so meditation is great for any kind of life change, positive, negative, whatever, because it helps us maintain our equilibrium and our center and our balance, no matter what. Yes. That's why I really like having a spiritual practice. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I just am so 
fascinated by all of this. It just some of the things that you're saying or just kind of rephrasing, like adapting to change, even if it's the wonderful things, right? I just, I keep, I, you're kind of changing my mind a little bit here about a couple of things. <laughs> like you're opening <laughs> up a whole new world to me. This is really good. <laughs> I'm like, wow, like, yeah, actually, that is so true that it's not just the challenging things that take up that space and you have to adapt and change to it's even it's even the awesome positive things as well. And yeah, that's just, it's, that's fascinating. Change is change, you know, change is change. And there's a reason why we probably resist change. Of course, we always think of change as not being great. Many changes are wonderful we still have to adapt to them and they still, they still resonate, I think with our bodies mm-hmm. and change can be very disruptive. Even good changes can be disruptive. The thing about that though, and the thing about change in general, why I love change is because that's how I think we grow. You know, if we all stayed the same, wouldn't we be boring people? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> if I stayed the same person as I was at 15, I'd, we'd all be in a world of trouble. <laughs> we would be. We would be. And we, we would run out of things to have conversations about. And so change is a good impetus for growth. Yes. Uh, so, you know, even practicing acceptance is a very good tool for resilience because if we, again, that let go or be drag thing, but if we resist change or we resist the disappointment or even the, the new positive challenge that's, you know, opportunity that's coming to us, our resistance just really creates suffering. And then that sort of impedes our growth. So one of the other things that we can do really to help ourselves grow and to develop resilience is to maintain our equilibrium, but just to develop an attitude of acceptance that sort of, you know, I like to get up in the morning and I like to meditate that sort of no matter what comes my way today, you know, I'm going to be accepting. Now, Mm -hmm. I got a wonderful email yesterday morning asking me to do a really neat thing. I'm very excited about, but I wasn't expecting it, Heather. Mm-hmm. And so, man, I could feel those, you know, those sort of hormones like yeah. that adrenaline kicking up. Oh, gosh, yes. So we just this whole acceptance of what comes our way today, we have this open mind about, this open heart about, and we accept it, whether it's a very positive thing or whether it's a very disappointing thing, and we then move on from there. Yes, Great. So your book, Sweet Sorrow, Finding Enduring Wholeness After Loss and Grief, where can people find that book and go grab a copy of it? Well, thank you for asking. It's on all online booksellers like Barnes and Noble, uh, Amazon, and uh, you can also go to my website where there's a link click to it. My website is www.sherry, S-H-E-R-R-Y, Cormier. C-O-R-M-I-E-R, author, A-U-T-H-O-R dot com. Excellent. And we'll make sure to link it in our show notes so that people can just click right from their phones or wherever they listen and be directed to that. 
This has been an incredible conversation. There's obviously so much more to dive into um, and, and encouraging people to go get that book and just learn more and also to check out your site and, and find out more about you as well. I do want to ask you, aside from your own book, <laughs> what other yeah. books or resources would you recommend or, or that have been key for you in your journey and in your evolution to where you are today? Well, I'm so glad that you asked that question because I love books and I believe we all can learn so much from great books. Absolutely. One book that really was helpful to me is a book by a Buddhist monk, a woman. Her name is Pema, P-E-M-A, Chodron. Her book is called When Things Fall Apart. When Things Fall Apart. And again, you know, who hasn't had something fall apart. Right. <laughs> uh, I also love, I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown. Mm -hmm. And I, many of us are. I loved her book and still reread it, Rising Strong. I love all of her books. But I think in my situation, um, I felt her book, Rising Strong, was so helpful to me. Uh, another resource that I really got a, a, a lot of comfort from as a loss survivor, and I still use this, Heather, is a resource, you can get it on Amazon too, it's called Yoga Nidra, Nidra being spelled N as in Nancy, I-D-R-A. It's a little book and a CD written by a psychologist in California. His name is Dr. Richard Miller. And I went to a training a couple years after my husband and dad died. I went to a training. One of the great things about my line of work is I'm required to go to trainings. I don't mind that because I learned so much and learning by the way is another tool for developing resilience. So I went to his training training in yoga nidra and I felt so much better after I took the training and then I ordered his little book and read it, and I still pop that little CD in my uh, little CD player, which I know is antiquated, but I still listen to that, and I find it very calming and very centering. So those would be three books and resources that I would recommend for listeners. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing. I love asking this question of all of our guests. It's just such great insight to see what other people use or what other tools are out there or other books that we get introduced to. I am fascinated. I, of course, a lot of people have heard of Brene Brown, but these other couple of resources that you've suggested to us, you know, there's, there's a lot of information out in the world. It's almost virtually impossible to know every single thing that's out there and what's available. Yeah. So how do we have people like you and Pod? Podcasting. Yes. <laughs> and people like you that are willing to come on and share. So thank you for sharing that. Sherry, to wrap up today, and, and maybe you've shared some of these tips along in the way, but what would be your top three tips of advice for living your life through the lens of leadership? Well, the first tip that I would have for that would be put your, put your own oxygen mask on first. Hmm. We can't be effective leaders whether it's within our family structure or our work structure or our neighborhood or community or whatever, we can't be effective leaders if we don't take care of ourselves first. So put your oxygen mask on first. The airlines have that right. Mm 
mm-hmm. uh, when they tell you that. And the second tip would be find your tribe. Find people in your niche, people that speak to you, people that share your language, um, because we don't lead in isolation. There's actually a great new book that just came out this month. It's a wonderful book about women in leadership called Wolfpack. Wolfpack. I, I just recommended this book yesterday, I think it was, in a meeting. Somebody just great. recommended that book. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, she talks in there about how women, we really need to work together in leadership with teams. And the third tip along that line would be to show gratitude and acknowledge and thank everybody on your team who helps you. You know, when we have a win as a leader or a success, it's really not all about us. It's really about our tribe and about our team. And so you know, really thanking and acknowledging and showing gratitude for people around us that help us on our path. Yes. Oh my gosh. Such good tips. Sherry, thank you so much for joining us today. You gave us your website earlier. Is there anywhere on social media that people can connect with you as well? Or is website the best place to go? Well, no. On social media, I'm on Twitter and Facebook Sherry Cormier at Sweet Sorrow Book is the handle. Okay. So find me on Twitter and Facebook and reach out. I'd love to connect. Excellent. Sherry, thank you again for your time. I am very excited for our listeners to hear from this podcast and also to connect with you and connect with your book and and learn more and dive into the work that you do. Thank you for working within your genius work and thank you for your brilliance. We really appreciate it here at She Leads Me. And namaste to you and thank you for having me on She Leads Me. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the She Leads Me podcast. If you enjoyed it, please share with your fellow female leaders and consider leaving us a five-star review. Also be sure to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram to get the latest information in the She Leads Me community. See you next time.